Hello everyone, welcome to the Luke Branquino Show. I'm excited for my next guest. He is arguably one of the very best bull riders, if not the very best bull rider in the history of bull riding. Seven-time world champion. This is amazing, only eight times in the national final, so he has dominated about every year. Over three million in career earnings, Sage Kimsey. Sage, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Luke. How about having such a great year started and then bam, injury hits. That's gotta be, you know, obviously a heartbreaker for you. Yes and no. It, it probably would have been more of a heartbreaker other than the fact that we welcomed our son at the end of January. So he, he's been keeping, keeping us busy. Obviously you've experienced injury in the past and overcame it. You know, what was the exact injury date and surgery date? I got slammed bad at the American this year and it kind of like busted some stuff loose and had some x-rays done at Houston and it saw that I had like a broken collarbone and stuff. And I was like, okay, well that's why it hurts and rolled on, had it evaled at a couple places. They were like, well, your shoulder's very unstable. And at some point you're gonna need to get this fixed. I guess it was at Weatherford on the 10th of June. It came out again and uh, they operated on it the end of July. I got you. That Weatherford's hard on a guy. That's where my hamstring gave loose last year. And I've been asked and, and by multiple people because they obviously know we have some sort of a connection. Is Sage going to be ready to ride at the finals? Is there any chance of that? No, there's not. I'm actually not going to qualify for the finals because they'll take away like $30,000 for um, not hitting my 40 rodeos for the extreme bowl. Right. Even then, like the recovery on this is six to eight months, and that puts me mid-January at least. And uh, I'm definitely not going to push it. So you have zero to prove in the in the Western sports of industry and zero to prove in bull riding. I mean, seven world championships, eight qualifications to the national finals. You're batting a pretty good average right there and getting healthy and getting back to the finals next year and going after that eight. You know, I've had a pretty good run for sure, but uh, the saga is not over yet, I know that. When I first started steer wrestling, I was scared to death of hitting the ground. My brain said, the stronger head catch I get, the more aggressive that steer's head I get, the less chance it's gonna hurt me. What about you? How do you psych yourself up to get on large animal that's uh, trying to spin out from underneath you, buck out from underneath you? Yeah, I don't really think about it anymore. Like definitely growing up as a kid, it was a battle because I didn't really mature as quickly as most kids. So every time I'd move up an age group, I would be like way overmatched and really like no business getting on the animals that I was. Man, I almost quit several times. I guess it's just dumb enough and tough enough to keep with it. I always told myself if I wasn't a little nervous backing in the box, whether excitement or whatever it was, I knew it was time to retire. And that point came where I just, I backed in the box and I'm like, what am I doing here? Uh, and, and that's a tough pill to swallow, trust me. 2020 was one of those years for a lot of reasons. Got flipped on at San Antonio, had ankle surgery, back two weeks after for the American in Houston, split the one at the American, didn't do any good at Houston, and then boom, COVID shut everything down. And like, that was the first time that I'd ever got to spend any time at home since I turned professional. And 
I liked being home. <laughs> it caged the animal, if you will, for a while for me. And it, like, it took me a while to like tap back in that inner dog that it takes to get on a 1,700-pound bull that, that doesn't want you on his back. You're helping out with the PBR teams with Kate Harrison and, and Matt West. And I've heard nothing but great reviews and everything that you're bringing to the table for them. How has that been, that transition? It's been fun. It's been uh, definitely different. The biggest thing that for me, like I didn't want to be tough on the guys because bull riding is one of the toughest sports in the entire world. So for me, that was kind of like my whole thing going into it is I was like, man, if I could express how hard this sport is, then, you know, I'll be doing my job well. It's been fun though. What's your take on the PBR teams? I think the, the upside potential for PBR teams is absolutely huge. It's one thing that rodeo's never really been able to harness is like the home fan. And that's the thing is there, there's so many people that, that love rodeo but don't follow it on a day to day. Something like the PBR teams comes in and you know, if you live around Nashville, you, you can root for the Nashville Stampede even if you don't know a single rider on their roster or anything else. It, it brings that home team element to rodeo. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Uh, looking forward to 2023, you being healed up, going after that next gold buckle. And you know, Shane Hanchy said it best, one's never enough and you never have enough. And uh, I think that's just the cowboy mentality. Obviously you're going after number eight, arguably one of the very best bull riders in the world, if not the best, uh, Sage. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Luke. You bet, man. Good luck to you. I'm very excited about our next guest. She is a trailblazer in the Western industry from the arena floor all the way to the play-by-play -play booth. It's my pleasure to welcome Kate Harrison. It is an honor to have you on here. I've enjoyed working with you in the past with the American and everything else. But what we want to get down to is your new role as play-by-play for the new PBR team series. Tell us about it. how has that been? It's been a blast and it was, cause it's not only my first time doing it, but we're launching a brand new league. It's really a hybrid show because we're on TV, we're in arena. And then they look at me and say, now you better make this work. And they said it in a very nice way, but it was serious. And so I said, okay, I'm gonna give it 100%. I will give it my all and I'll make sure that no one is going to come in more prepared than I am. And you've seen that. I've seen you've that. seen my, my stack of notes. So I just approach this in the same way. And for me, I've always been the one to talk after the ride, right? Not when it happens, not in the analyst role. I wait until they're on the dirt, they've got the helmet off, they're out of the arena, and then that's when I talk to them. So to kind of be in the moment and experience those fireworks and get to walk the television audience through, I get to be the voice for those watching at home in the moment. Justin McBride and you at the American. <laughs> yes. So in the past had been like one or two days of it. Mm -hmm. We got five days of it at the Cowtown Coliseum and then it, at- That was uh, good. And for being first time in the play-by-play -play chair, I was very thankful for those five days <laughs> leading up to the big show. Well, you could <laughs> tell- it was a good time. You were pro, you were natural. Women in professional rodeo, tell me your thoughts on that and how that has elevated mm -hmm. the sport. I've gotten to some really cool things with work because first time Calgary is covered on TV in the US in decades, I got to be there at the table. First time we put rodeo back on national television in 40 years, I got to be at the table. The first time Breakaway made its way on the national TV, I got to be on the call for it. I got to interview Jackie Crawford. And looking back at some of those moments, they weren't just, oh, that happened, that's really neat, it'll happen again. Breakaway and the step that it took a few years back 
That is a moment that I think every breakaway roper is going to look back on for generations and go, that was the launching pad. Oh, for sure. That's when it took off. So to get to be a part of that from a TV storytelling side is incredible. And to be down there doing so many interviews with these breakaway ropers who have rodeoed and roped their entire lives for four or $5,000 paychecks yeah. and get to be the one to talk to them when they were just handed a $100,000 paycheck, it's, it's huge incredible. Was that WCRA event, I'm assuming? WCRA, yeah. we had a couple $50,000 ones. What was um, the first days of WCA 47. Oh, Chicago. I was there. We yeah. rodeoed there together. We did. I was in the steer wrestling. We yeah. did. Chicago, I think, was the very That's first right. huge check. And it was freezing cold. It wasn't that it bad. It was so cold. No. It was February in Chicago. You want to know cold? Or January. That, that, it was cold. Goodness. But Tyler Pearson, his wife, and I mm -hmm. drove from Chicago to Denver because we were up there the next day. On that trip? On that trip, yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so did you go across the tundra? Yes, we did about 35 miles an hour when they were driving, about 50 when I was. So. <laughs> Ice road truckers? Ice road trucker, <laughs> yes. So you do cold. when you rodeo. You yeah. know that. You just you go. You know what? Truly, I think that's how I've been able to just do this job. Because having not only my toddler, and I was kind of going through the ropes of the American and sidelines and COVID right. when I had my son, and trying to figure out how to travel during all of that because our jobs didn't stop. And now starting in a brand new role for the first time ever, and I've got my daughter. I think <laughs> rodeoing, you just, there's something that has been instilled in me my entire life. You just find a way and you do it. And as you're doing it, you also remember to always step back and realize this is so neat and I'm so thankful. Instead of just getting tied up in, oh, I've got this whole list of things to do and I've got to be a great mom and I'll make sure I'm giving 100% to my job. But at the same time, look how cool this is. I get to do it. Women in sports, really a male dominant world as far mm -hmm. as that goes. And then not only that, into the bull riding. How was that and did you get any pushback or anything yeah, from that? I never went into this thinking, I want to blaze a trailer. I'm going to pick this sport because it is male dominated. It was just, I'm doing what I love and I'm going to do it the best I can. And if doors open, it's going to be because I proved I'm the best option for them at that time. Right. And if doors close, then there is a better option and that is okay because I bet there's a bigger door over here that's just waiting to open. And it's not dawning on me that it's going down a path that no one's ever gone down before. Same with me rodeoing. Mm -hmm. You know, I obviously wanted to go out and be a world champion, but I don't think of myself as a world champion. I just want to be thought of as a good guy that helped yeah. promote the sport and bring more value to that's it. That's exactly it. You're no stranger TV. From time graduating USC, you were immersed into the scene, right? Right away. Well, even before that, because growing up, I grew up in the stunt business. Right. So very first job I had in the stunt business and in front of a camera was at seven. Wow. Fast forward all those years later, journalism for me started in 07. And that's the first question I'll get is, how do you get to where you are? How I want to be there next year. If you find a way to get there next year, you tell me your secret, <laughs> because this has been about 15 years wow. in the making. One sport I've covered to the next. And you know what's wild? So when I very first graduated, everyone wants to cover football which I loved covering mm -hmm. football, but it's football, it's basketball, it's all the major mainstream sports. And one of the women I looked up to at Pac-12 Network said, well, what do you know better than probably anyone that you're graduating with that you could talk about? I said, well, rodeo, but rodeo's not really on TV. I know PBR's on TV and I know that's one job, and I remember thinking, yeah, I would love to cover rodeo, but when does that happen? Right. And that was in, she had to have told me that in 07. Fast forward nine years later, Pac-12 Network, CSPN Radio, Radio Disney, covering every sport out there from gymnastics to water polo to rugby, you name it. I would just dive in deep on these sports. And then sure enough, I got a call to go and cover the American. 
and that very first call for the American had to have been in 2014. And then from there comes the PBR, and then here we are covering rodeo and bull riding full time. And the awesome thing is bringing you right back to your roots. Yes. So tell me a little more, high school rodeo, college rodeo? After high school rodeo, got my permit right away and started barrel racing. At the same time, I knew I wanted to do journalism. I knew I wanted to cover sports. And growing up in Southern California, there's no better college football team to cover than the USC Trojans. So I knew I wanted to go to USC. Applied to go to SC, but I also applied to Cal Poly. I thought, well, maybe I'll look at rodeoing. Got in to both, and I really thought hard about college rodeoing because how can you not? I was getting a tour. Some of the girls on the team were giving me a tour. I went to one of the rodeos. I loved all of that. Now I got down to it. I said, now tell me about the broadcast journalism program. Well, there wasn't really a, a program for it up there, but I just always saw it as being, I would love to rodeo, but my full-time job I see being in storytelling. I thought, okay, if this is my decision, I'm going to give it my all, right. and I'm going to make sure I succeed in it. Well, and one thing about the sport of rodeo or team roping or barrel racing, mm -hmm. you could take 10, 15, 20 right. years off. I could buy Holman. a whole lot better horse if I go and get yes. a really good job. <laughs> Looking forward to more of Kate Harrison on the PBR teams. Looking Thanks, forward to Luke. more of Kate Harrison on the Luke Branquino Show. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you. Is this awkward? That's really awkward. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. I'm crossing the plane. We were told not to cross. Right. <laughs> My guest today is a good and actually a longtime friend, Casey Lane. He is the general manager for the Teton Ridge Riders here in Arizona. Casey, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Luke. It's a pleasure to be here, buddy. For me, it's fun to see guys like you that have done so well in the Western industry and trying to help expand and help grow it as you are trying to do with the PBR Team Series and the Teton Ridge Riders. Let's dive right into that because I know a lot of people are interested, curious about it, and there's also people that are skeptical and hate it. It's still a mixed bag of people who don't love the team concept, but I think those that have given it a chance have seen and understood the nuance and, and frankly enjoyed the competition. It's a very different model than we're used to in Western sports, but very similar in ways to other sports. You know, I, I tell our guys all the time, uh, the coaches as well as the riders, they have to change their mindset because bull riding is a sport very much like baseball, right? If you're successful four out of 10 times, you're in the Hall of Fame. And when you think about bull riding as an individual, it's always about getting that 90 point score and you know all the things that we've built up over time through the histories of rodeo and the PBR. But now we're at a point where if you buck off, which you are likely to do six out of 10 times, there's somebody else there that can pick you up. And I noticed that when I went to the uh, PBR in Austin, you see those guys cheering for their teammates and rooting for them and not saying they didn't in the past, but this just elevates it to a whole new level, and I think some of the fans are starting to see that. I promise you, you go to a team's deal and you get into the point where you're rooting for a team against team matchup that takes about 40 minutes, you care about every single ride, whether the bull runs off and the guy's 65 points, and the coach has to decide whether or not he's gonna take the re-ride or whether or not he's gonna bank on a number of scores, because there's other components of strategy in here that aren't at play in the individual season, and it makes it compelling. But you have a guy like Jose and then maybe one of those guys that are in the top, barely cracking the top 50, and you put them on the same team, Jose is going to elevate that guy to make him try to be the very best because he doesn't want to let a legend like Jose down. And, and I think it's across the board on every team. Your number one draft picks, those bottom guys, they're like, I need to step up. I need to make this 
where I could potentially be that number one draft pick at some point. You know, like we know when we go play the Austin Gamblers and Jose is healthy, we need three scores on the board because if it comes down to him at the very end, whatever he's got to be, there's a chance he's going to be it if you have the same number of scores on the board as they do. There's different strategies associated with different teams. We've got plenty of star power on our team, but we really built our team around balancing the left-handed and right-handed guys and consistency and writing percentage. If you look at the numbers, the idea that we picked up Eduardo Aparecido in the third round would be ridiculous if you were drafting a baseball draft. He's one of the most consistent writers, particularly right-handed in the league. And the idea that he slipped all the way to the third round for us to pick him up probably wouldn't happen that way if people got to see how the way the season was going to play out before they picked their squad. I think to me, like you said, it adds a whole new dynamic to the sport. Something that I think people will get on board with and learn, you know, especially those, I guess, naysayers, you can call them, they'll learn to appreciate and enjoy. There's still plenty of opportunities on the individual side, right? You got a full individual season of Unleash the Beast. During the time that the team series is going on, there's the Challenger series. So they got plenty of chance to get on a random draw and go get on bulls that are going to go away from their hand and develop, continue to develop their skills. But this particular 11 weeks of bull riding is all about finding the appropriate balance within your roster and creating the strategy that allows you to beat the team that you're up against. Well, I could see Glendale being an exciting event. Like I said, the one in Austin was, was amazing. That place was packed. Then when we left, there were still people outside, you know, bullshitting about how great of an event it was. And from the sounds of it, the two days after that, it was it was another great two events. Yeah, no, it's been very strong in the home markets. The, the merchandise sales is another piece where rodeo and bull riding, it's always been a struggle because most of the fans want to dress like the competitors. Right? right? They don't want a JB Moody t-shirt. They want a Wrangler, you know, work shirt with a pack of Marlboros in the front <laughs> pocket if they want to be their JB Moody fan. But this team's deal has created an opportunity for fans to buy jerseys and caps and that business has been stronger for the PBR. The teams are sharing in that as well. We've also created our own merchandise business. You can go to ArizonaRidgeRiders.com and click on the shop tab and buy merchandise there. You can also go there to follow the progress of the team, keep track of our social feeds. But it's really created a different dynamic intended to attract a new fan. We always want to be careful not to offend the core, but we also have to remember that the core wants this to grow. And in order for that to grow, we have to provide opportunities and platforms for fans to consume rodeo content in ways that are different than we've done it the last hundred years so that we can really put the world on blast that, that rodeo is a, a sport that you're going to love. Give it a chance. Are you the type of general manager that'll get in their face? Because I've heard stories about some of the general managers not being real happy with their team and getting after them. I am probably not that guy. Um, <laughs> I, I'm pretty good about staying in my lane. I am happy with where we are. I am disappointed at a few of the outcomes. We've ridden more bulls than anybody else in the league, which I believe is the statistic that's gonna pay off in the long run. We've had a lot of contributors on our team, not just guys that we drafted, but a lot of free agent pickups that have won us games and contributed for us in a huge way. You know, two of the young guys that we drafted that I'm most excited about are coming back this week. And that's Chase Doherty, who also has a, you know, a little connection to the rodeo world, having ridden in the PRCA for a number of years and won the average at the at the NFR, I believe. And then Mauricio Moreta, who's a kid who is really hot. He's very flashy, super dynamic. I'm super excited to have both those guys back. And I feel like we're in a really good spot to finish the home stretch, win our home event, and go into the team finals in Vegas in November with a really strong hand to play. 
for your personal life, you are also the national rep for the Indiana High School Rodeo Association, is that correct? Yes, I am. I am the national director for Indiana High School Rodeo, which is a whole nother bag of hammers to deal with, but I enjoy it so much. My first year that I got to judge high school rodeos was you and Clayton Grant and Caleb and Jake Twistleman and that sort of age group. So I always can mark that difference. But now to be able to work with a whole state organization, you know, developing talent, understanding the rodeo culture in the Midwest, which is different than it is, you know, where we grew up, but really, really, really strong and a ton of fun to be around has been amazing. Casey, thank you for joining us on the show. This has been one of the, the funnest sessions we've had so far. I appreciate it and good luck to the Ridge Riders. Thanks, Luke. Thank you. Oh, what, you want him? I'm you want Uncle Luke? Don't forget your binky. This is for me or the kid? Definitely for you. Oh, you want the binky? Oh, there you go. Oh, no.